0: Kicking off a brand new message series called Anxious for Nothing. Anxious for Nothing. Now, let me just uh, give you the, uh, the, the um, uh, one of my favorite authors is Matt Lucado. How many of you like Matt Lucado? You know who Matt Lucado is. He's been writing books, you know, since I was a kid. And and I, I enjoyed a book that he wrote not too long ago called Anxious for Nothing. And this is just a lot of uh, inspiration and uh, some uh, as I preach and prepare my message, you know, I just wanna let you know where some of it, not all of it, but a lot of it, and some of it coming from this book and, and there's a book you can buy, feel free to you know, buy one and uh, you can find it online at your favorite bookstore and, 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 and hopefully that you can jump in. If you like to, to be a part of that, go ahead and read, buy the book and you can read it as well. But um, anxiety, and if you're battling anxiety, this message series is for you. Anxiety is the number one health issue for females in America today. And it's number two for men. Now, it could be number one for men, but I think men have a harder time admitting that this is a struggle for them. <laughs> so, you know, we just have like to act like we have it all together, right? You know, but truth be told, we struggle, men. We struggle with anxiety just as much. 51 million-plus people admit to struggling with anxiety in the United States. In America, we spend over $50 billion annually treating anxiety. And it's affecting every single age demographic. It's not a grown-up problem, we're also seeing it increase um, among our teenagers. The number one most anxious nation in the world is the United States. I mean, we're winning with worry. We're winning a gold medal when it comes to anxiety as a country. What's crazy is that studies have shown that people, the immigrants from other countries that had very little anxiety and when they moved to the United States, their anxieties shoot to the roof. And and, uh, we have to ask the question here, and and you begin to think, why do we have to be so anxious? I mean, we, we, we live in the most prosperous nation in the world, we rank, near the highest in terms of safety in the world. Our cars are safer than they've ever been. Medical care is better than it's ever been. People are living longer than they've ever lived. In fact, we don't even let our kids go on a bike without making them wear a helmet. I remember when I was growing up, there was no helmets. I was growing up. You were lucky if your car had seat belts, <laughs> you know. And so here we are. We live in a world where we should be less anxious, and somehow we're more anxious than we've ever been. Anxiety. Let me give you some ideas, some definition here of anxiety. It's not on your handout note, but just, you know, anxious. Anxiety, it means a constant state of being worried. That's basic, I mean, that's, that's the no-brainer. It's a constant state of being worried. When we see the word anxiety, especially in the passage of scripture we're gonna see in a few minutes, the word anxiety in a beautiful word picture in the Greek language, where it means to be pulled apart. How many of you feel like you're being pulled apart? You're being pulled apart in so many different directions. Now, anxiety has a relative. And that relative, his name is fear. Now, they're related, but they're not the same. I call them a cousin, not so much like a brother or a sister, all right? They're kind of like cousins. They're related, they're very similar, but they're different. And if you're taking notes, you kind of see the difference here. sees a threat, and react. It sees a threat. You see a rattlesnake, you run. <laughs> you know, if you, you know if, if, if you see a bear, you know, when we're, out, when we're out west, they say, if you see a bear, you know, pull out your bear spray. You know, fear, listen, fear can be a wonderful thing. It can be a healthy emotion. You know, fear, a healthy fear keeps us out of trouble. You know, and so we, 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 we can react, and we react, we either fight or flight. I'm, I'm teaching Abigail, you know, and she had a bike already. She's nine years old and she got a new bike on Friday. So yesterday, you know, okay, we're gonna kinda, you know, let's, let's, get, let's ride in the road a little bit in our neighborhood, you know, we're going drive. And so we're with me. You no, know, and I'm, I'm teaching her how to have a healthy fear uh, of the road. I said, we're coming to an intersection. You know, what do you do? You know, you stop, you look, make sure nobody's coming. You know, teaching her how to have a healthy fear. And, and so fear, it sees a threat and we react. But notice, notice, uh, what anxiety does? Anxiety imagines a threat and can't move on. See the difference? Fear sees it, anxiety imagines it. Fear results in, it results in fight or flight, anxiety creates doom and gloom. Here's another way to look at it if you take a note. Fear says, get out. Anxiety says, what if? What if? Anxiety is a meteor shower of what ifs. It's coming down, raining down. Meteor showers of what ifs. What if it's a rattlesnake? I'm never walking on the grass again. What what if what if it was a bear in the woods? I'm, I'm never ever walking in uh, in the woods again. What what if what if I get sick? I, I, I'm never getting out of the house. What what if the plane crashes? Well, I'm never flying. What if an anxiety is a series of what ifs? Anxiety puts our body in a constant state of fight or flight. Constant, and our body's not designed to, 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 to carry the weight of that. We're not designed to live that way. See, fear is temporary. Fear is good. We move based on threat, but anxiety lingers. It hangs. You're in a constant state of what if. What, what if I get sick? What if my kids get sick? What if the market crashes? What what if I don't get married? You know, what if I lose my marriage? What if a terrorist attack? What if a plane crash? What if I lose my job? What if we don't have enough money? And if I don't have enough money, what if the kids have crooked teeth and I can't pay for it? And what if they can't get their teeth fixed? Then they'll never get a job. You know, what if they can't never get a job because if they're quick at tea, they'll never get married and leave the house. My life was ruined forever. <laughs> what ifs? That's what anxiety does. We're we, we, imagining, we're imagining what ifs and it plays in our mind over and over and over again. Now listen, if, if you struggle with anxiety, I want you to do something for me. I want you to take a nice, deep, giant breath, <sighs> because just talking about anxiety just make it <laughs> it makes it anxious. Just makes it anxious. You know why it gets anxious in church? It, it, it's because many of us, the followers of Christ, we, we've been we been taught that if you have anxiety, there's something there's something wrong with you. You, you you're the problem. And so we've been taught that, that the Christian life, we've been taught that the Christian life is just life of peace, and when we don't have peace, when there's something off, then then we assume the problem lies within us. And, and not only do we feel anxious, but we start to feel guilty, and we start to go into, into the spiral, the downward spiral of, of, of guilt, and, and anxiety, and worry, and more guilt, and it gets we and get to pulled in and suck in. That's a very dark place in our lives. Now before I move on to this, I want to say something so important. Kind of like a disclaimer here, okay? But there, there is a level of anxiety that is so severe and that is very appropriate for you to get professional help. You know, counseling, therapy, uh, medication, Uh, and there is—I want you to listen to this—that there is no shame in that. There's no shame. God, God has given us doctors, God has given us therapists to help us. So it's very appropriate to get some help. And but I want you to understand that anxiety. It's not just a physical issue. It's also very deeply spiritual. And I believe that in this series, we can learn some very important principles of how to deal with anxiety from the Word of God. Now, the key verse for this series in Philippians chapter four, before we jump into the first, let me give you some context. The Apostle Paul, He's the writer, he writes this letter. He wanted more than anything else to go to Rome. And so, he finally gets to Rome and he finds himself totally opposite of how he thought we were gonna all play out. He thought we were gonna be able to go to Rome, preach the gospel, maybe start a church, but he gets to Rome, he gets there, but he is chained to a Roman guard 24 hours. A day he is in prison, and I have a situation where he could have been more anxious than anyone that I know. Not knowing his potential outcome, not knowing if he would going to ever live again. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the apostle Paul wrote these incredible words. He's in prison, and he said in Philippians chapter four, verse number six, he said, "Do not." Be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. Another translation said this: be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. And you have to wonder. You have to wonder what what was the apostle Paul out of touch with reality when he wrote those words? I mean, what a challenge. To be anxious for for nothing. I mean, it would be easier for Paul to have said, no, be anxious for less, right? Or, 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 or only be anxious on Thursdays. Or only be anxious when you have severe afflictions or a season, of a, a season of severe afflictions in your life. Only be anxious then. But Paul, he doesn't seem to offer any leeway here. He says here, he said, be anxious for nothing, nada, zilch, zero. But, but is that what Paul's trying to tell us? Is that what he's trying to teach us you? Well, not exactly. And see, in the original language of this text, in the Greek, this verse is written in the present active tense. Uh, it's okay. I know I'm not going to go all grammar on you guys, okay? But just hang with me for a minute. It was written in this verb tense called the present active tense. And here's what it's trying to tell us. This is what Paul is trying to communicate in this verse. He said the, the command is not that you would never, ever, ever be anxious. but The command is, and here's the command. He said, don't find yourself in a present active continuous state of anxiety. Day after day after day, living in the what ifs. In other words, listen, you are going to be anxious, but there is a way that you don't have to carry your anxiety day after day after day. That's what Paul is trying to teach us here. And if you've ever been anxious before, welcome to being a human. In a broken world, we're going to have moments of anxiety. But Paul is saying don't live there. I love how Matt Lucado said this, he said it so well. He said, the presence of anxiety is unavoidable. We can't run from it, but the prison of anxiety is optional. The prison of carrying it with you day after day after day is optional. And so we're going to talk about in this series is how you don't have to carry anxiety with you all day, every day, all throughout the week, all throughout the month, all throughout, all throughout your life. You can move from anxiety to peace. And there's a way to do it. And so in this series, we're going to look at this main passage of scripture. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 8. And we're going to break it down for the next four weeks. We're going to break down this passage of scripture. And I believe that you're going to see the blueprint of not having to live a life of constant worry and anxiety. Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, let's look at the whole passage right here, and then we're going to break it down the first two verses and give you the first thought for for this series. All right, verse number four, the Bible says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, let me stop here for a minute. This is what we're after. Right? This is what we want. The peace of God. He said the peace of God will transcend all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And then finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, today, week one, I'm going to look at verses four and five. We're going to break that down. And at the end of this message, you might think, man, Scott, um, you didn't fix my anxiety. It's only week one. You got to be here for the whole thing. All four weeks. If you can't be here, watch it online. But all four weeks will come together you know, as one. And so I'm going to give you week one. And, here, and here's the big idea of today's message. It's the first step to seeking peace. If you're taking notes, it's the word celebrate. Celebrate. Look again at the first two verses. The very first thing that Paul tells us In verse number four, he tells us how to deal with anxiety. He says in verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. And then Paul says, in case you're deaf, or in case you went in one ear out the other, or went over your head, he said, let me say it again. You gotta rejoice, exclamation point. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, the word rejoice. You can put the word celebrate. That's what it means. In other words, Paul's saying that to deal with anxiety in your life, you need to celebrate. And some of you are thinking, are you kidding? Celebrate? Paul's out of his mind. My my, my life is falling apart. My marriage is on the rack. I'm I'm not able to pay the bills. And, 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 And Paul wants me to celebrate? That doesn't make sense, Scott. Let's celebrate. What what is Paul trying to tell us? Don't miss this, this is so important. Paul is telling us, he's not just telling us to just celebrate for, celebrate, you know, celebrate's sake, with the rejoicing, rejoice sake, you know. He's got a purpose in this. He said, notice what Paul said. He said, we are to rejoice to celebrate in the Lord. Oh. That's very different, Paul. I'm I'm to celebrate in the Lord. And this verse is a call, not to a feeling, but a call to a decision. It's a call to a deeply rooted confidence that God exists and that God is in control and that God is good. Paul telling us, if you're taking note, that belief precedes behavior. Don't, don't make this. Belief precedes behavior. In other words, if you find in your behavior that your anxiety is out of control. I mean, you're in it, you're dwelling, you're in the downward spiral, the continuous state of worry, 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 what if, what if, what if. He says, when you're in that world, if that's your behavior, it says, Paul said, it's time for you to go back and to evaluate what you've been believing about who God is belief, perceived, behavior. Uh, let, let me illustrate it like this. If, and if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. If you're a parent, remember when your kids were, were little and they're afraid of the water, and you're in the pool, and you tell little Johnny, little Becky, hey, just jump in the pool. And they wanna jump, but they're scared to death. They're petrified. You know, you're like, come on, trust daddy, trust me, trust me, just jump or well, trust mama, jump, jump in the pool. And you know, and little Johnny, little Becky, they, they kind of back up a little bit and they say, okay dad, you got me, will you, you, know, will you catch me? I said, yes, I'm gonna catch you. Just trust me, trust me. Daddy, will, tr- will you catch me, I'll I, I, I be okay? Yes, and you know, you know you got him. You know you got him as a parent. But well, they they're out here, they back up, maybe they're gonna run to the pool and say, okay, I'm gonna go, and they, they run, and then they stop. You know, you're like, you know, it goes on and on and on, and finally, you're getting frustrated. You know, you said, you jump in this pool right now. So <laughs> help me, God, I gonna go back in that house if you don't jump in this pool. You know, you get frustrated, right? You know, you know why you get frustrated? You're, you're, you're frustrated because their behavior is telling you that they don't trust you, they don't trust you. Uh, and this is a small, small way how our behaviors sometimes reflect what we believe and how we trust in God. God said, trust me, jump. I said, I don't know God, I don't know. You know who I am, I'm God. Trust me, trust me. The Paul teaching us, and the very first week one, part one, the very first thing you gotta do to to change your response to anxiety is to celebrate what's true about God. What's true about God? Well, we see this in verse four and five. We're gonna unpack this here. But we see these two incredible truths about who God is. And when we understand this, it will lead us to a proper place of behavior, a place of, of peace. What are the two truths to celebrate in? I got it on the screen here. The goodness of God, that God's in control. Look Look at these two thoughts as anchors for the soul, pillars that you can rest under. And the safe spot between these two pillars, the safe place, the safe zone, it's right in the middle, right in between the goodness of God and the control of God, that God is in control. And, often, and this is it. This is the safe place. This is where you find peace, a peace that passes all understanding right here. Now, oftentimes, though, huh, we drift. We, we get outside of the, out of the tent, out of the pillars, out of the drawn poles that's holding us up. We we, we drift over here and say, God, listen, I know you're good. I know you're good. I just don't know that you understand what's happening in the world. You know, God, I know you have good intentions, it's just not coming through for me. And you're on the wrong side, you're outside of God's peace. On the other hand, we, we might find ourselves drifting over here and say, God, hey, I know you're in control. I know you've got it put together. I just don't know that you're working on my behalf. I'm not, I'm not really quite sure that you're good. I know you're good to some people, just not for me. And I know you're in control and I, it is what it is, you know. Are <laughs> you stepping out? You step out of the peace zone. Paul is saying we gotta live here. This is where we're living, in between control and goodness. Control and goodness. He said, Well, Scott, will I still be anxious every once in a while to live in here? Of course you will. You will have moments of anxiety, you will have moments of anxiousness, but if you position yourself here, you will be able to move on and beyond anxiety to a place of peace, to a place of peace. So let's unpack, again, let's unpack these two things, three thoughts. Number one, we look at this in verses four and five, we gotta remember, we gotta have bold confidence. We gotta celebrate that God is in control. We rejoice celebrate that God is in control. Verse number four, Paul tells us to rejoice in the Lord. Now, Paul, Paul could have used any names of God. He could have used any names. He could have said, Rejoice in God. He could have said, Rejoice in Jehovah. But Paul used this word, Lord. And if you're taking note, here's what Lord means. It means owner, master, the one who's in charge, the one who's in control. He said, Paul said, celebrate in the one who is in control. Have confidence in the one who is the Lord. Now, this is hard for a lot of us. Listen, this is difficult. We we like to be in control of our own situation, don't we? We like to be in control of our own destiny. We like to be in control of our own results. But here's the deal. The more in control we become, the more anxious we become. The more anxiety is gonna come into your life, the more we try to be in control. And here's the reality. The reality is this. You've never been in control. We've had false pretenses thinking that we're in control, but we've never been in control. We can't control what happens to us every day. We can't control what happens when we get behind the wheel of a car. We can't, control, we can't control what happens to our kids when they go to school. We can't control what happens at our jobs. We can't control the market, whether it's gonna be a good week or a bad week. We cannot be in control of it. We can't be in control. And and, and, and so, we. But what Paul's trying to teach us here, he said, you know, the more anxious people are in the world, the more anxiety we get, the more we worry. The most, by the way, the most anxious people in the world are often control freaks. So how do we find peace? We need to relinquish our control to God. We need to surrender our control. God, give control to the one who always had it in the first place. By the way, in, in a couple of weeks, I gotta practice what I preach. My 15-year-old son starts driving training. <laughs> Y'all pray for me, pray for my wife. <laughs> you know, gotta practice what we preach. This is what Paul tried to teach us here where we have anxiety the most reveals where we trust God the least. When we are anxious, we're saying, God, I've got this, get out of my way. I've got it under my control. When you're spiraling, you don't trust God. Isaiah chapter 26, verse number three, it says, you are keeping perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Verse four, trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord himself, he's the rocky tunnel. He's the pillar, he's the anchor for the soul. He's in control. Instead of trying to always control everything in our life, and you become a control freak. The Bible said do it a better way. Rather than seeking control, give control to God. Trust Him. Here's the second thought. As we rejoice, as we celebrate, we need to remember that God is good. Celebrate the fact that God is good. Watch how Paul does this in verse number five. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. And the word gentleness, it's a very interesting word. Uh, it's not like, you know, the idea that you might be thinking of being gentle, you know. That, that's not what this is. The word gentleness, if you're taking notes, means acceptance or tolerance. It's another word, acceptance to the slight Deviations in life. That's what Paul's trying to talk, Paul teaching us here. He said, Let your gentleness be accepted of the light or the curveballs of light that being thrown at you. Your yeah, life doesn't always go our way, and Paul knows it. Paul, hey, listen, remember where he's at. Paul said, Man, I'm writing you a letter in prison. This is not how I thought it was gonna go, but I'm okay with it. I've accepted this. He said, let, let people, he said let, it, he said, let your gentleness be evident to all. Let people see that, you know what? I'm not freaking out. I may not like my situation. I may not like my current circumstances, but at the end of the day, I'm tolerant to it. I'm accepted to the fact. You know why he's saying this? Because in that phrase in the verse, the Lord is near. I can, I can be okay with the curveballs that are thrown at me because by my side, he never leaves me. He never forgets about me. He knows everything that's going on. The Lord is near. The Lord it's good. The Lord never steps away from his throne walking by me. He is always by my side, by me. That's why Romans eight twenty eight it reminds us that we know that in all things, no matter what deviation comes our way, no matter what curveball is thrown in our life, I believe that all things, we know that in all things, God is working for the good of those who love Him. And so, my friend, we gotta remember, in the first message, we gotta celebrate. We gotta rejoice in the Lord. We gotta rejoice that He is good, and that He's in control. And we put ourselves right in the middle of those two thoughts. We live there. You believe it, you trust it. You remind yourself of it over and over and over again to live between the goodness of God and the control of God. You you, you tell others about it. You invite others in community. Oh man, this is why small group is so important because we need each other to remind each other, hey, I need to get back to the safe zone, the peace zone. It doesn't mean that you won't ever face an anxious moment, but man, I can overcome it because I believe that God is good. Oh, yes, he is. And that God is in control. And I'm going to relinquish control, my control, and I'm going to give it to him. And so we got more weeks to come. Week two, week three, week four, it's all going to come together. But the first thing that Paul tells us is the Posture yourself and what you know about God. Your beliefs always precedes behavior. He's good. Jump. Trust Him. He's got you. He is in control. God, we thank you for what we're studying in the next few weeks. Some of us are faced with anxiety, we're faced with, with uh, anxiety in our relationships. Maybe we have anxiety with our jobs. Maybe we've got lots of worries in our family with our children, with a spouse. Maybe we're anxious about Maybe we're anxious about things financially. Maybe we're anxious about the what ifs of recessions and inflation and all that's going on. And God help us. No matter what circumstances come our way, help us to celebrate in you that you are God. You are good, and you are in control. I pray for the weeks to come, as we unpack this amazing passage of scripture, unpack it some more, so that we can live a life of peace that can only be found in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's a challenge, got a couple things here. Our challenge is by the end of this series that you will memorize Philippians chapter four, verses four to eight. Now we're gonna do baby steps. So this week, memorize verses four and five. Easy, The short, all right? You got this. But man, it's the scripture, dwelling on the scripture that help you that will help you. So write these verses down, put it on a, a post-it note, put it on your refrigerator and your bathroom window and your cardboard, you know, car dashboards, put it wherever you can see it to remind yourself, I am to rejoice in the Lord. Even in the middle of my bad situation, I can still rejoice that God is good. And he's in control.